Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Stack Overflow podcast. Today, we are joined by a special guest, Anthony from Twilio, and we also have a fellow collaborator and friend, Cassidy Williams. Hello, everyone. Hey. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Th- thank you very much, Anthony, for coming on. We were quite excited to have you. One of the reasons that we have you on the show today is to talk about developer productivity tools. So, Anthony, I think you've got four tools, maybe, that you wanted to bring up. So, what is, out of those four, the number one most useful thing? Okay. The number one tool on my list is going to be a terminal tool. Are, are y'all Mac users or do you use something else? I do both. Mac you do and both? Windows. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm a Mac user, so this is kind of geared towards Mac users. Uh, sorry, non-Mac users, but... Um, <laughs> We're going to talk about um, a tool called Warp. It's a terminal tool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if you have heard of it, but I think it's fantastic. So if you have a Mac, you should be familiar with you know your terminal. And I know what a lot of people use is a program called iTerm2. That is probably the most popular terminal application out there on Mac. And I think it's a great app. It's really good for like customization. So you could download it and... Just customize it like crazy. But the the issue that I had with it was that, and, and this is based on experience at my old job, I had to replace my laptop, I think, three times. So I had to like oh, set gosh. up three different laptops. Yeah. And so just oh, imagine no. this, right? I had my first laptop. I downloaded iTerm. I installed Zish as my shell. I downloaded Oh My Zish, which is like a customization on top of that. I downloaded the themes, I downloaded extensions, mm. all that jazz, and then my laptop breaks. You can imagine like how horrible that that was because I basically lost at least like a week's worth of configuration and, and stuff like that. And that happened to me like two or three times and it kind of sucked. There are a lot of Windows users out there being like, well, you should have just gone Windows, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll skip that. Yeah, probably, but... Um, so yeah, the, like there there are ways where you can save your settings and and stuff like that. You can export them, import them. But I have like a GitHub gist that I always copy into my Bash RC and ZSHRC and all that. Yeah, there's also just something that I saw the other day. It was a uh, basically a USB stick that hackers can use to run command prompts and all sorts of stuff. But one of the initial uh, the initial design for it came from somebody who was sick of having to basically the exact same issue when they're installing new computers, they would put the USB stick in and then it would automatically install all the software that they needed, do all the parse. It gives access to the command line as well. It uses a custom language from this particular firmware provider. So when you're setting up new machines, you can just plug in the USB stick. It will run through the command line and upload and do everything that you need it to do, which is pretty cool. So maybe in future, if you're having a bad room laptops, look into that. But otherwise, please continue your story. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't have one of those. So I had to do it the hard way <laughs> of uh, reinstalling everything. <laughs> but yeah, after after that experience happened, I was like, I still love iTerm, but I was like, uh, you know, there's there's got to be something better. And, you know, somehow I stumbled on this application called Warp, and it is a terminal replacement for Mac. I believe it's built with Rust. So I think that's right. Yeah, it's really nice. Whenever you download it, like the first thing you'll notice is just like how nice it looks by default. So like, again, right off the bat, it's a pretty interface, looks nice, and you can easily change the theme just by going into the settings and just like selecting a theme within the within the application. And they actually look nice, unlike a lot of other terminal applications, which just really like change the color or the font, you know, 
sometimes you could tell like a developer made it but but with warp <laughs> red background yellow font i don't understand yeah, yeah. Are you, are you saying the peak of design isn't the dracula thing <laughs> yeah but with warp like there's actually like nice built-in themes another thing that that I love the most about it is on the bottom of the screen, whenever you input your commands, it's an actual text editor. Like if you're using a traditional terminal, you can't just like use your mouse, put your cursor over a word and, and just click on it. I, I, at least I don't think you can, but with, with warp, no, right. Yeah. With warp, because it's a text editor, you can interact with it the way you would with any other text editor. So like, instead of having to just use your arrow keys to navigate, you can literally just mm -hmm drag your mouse over a certain point in that text, click there and your cursor will appear. Same thing goes for like highlighting text. I'm pretty sure with a normal terminal, you can't really highlight text. Or if you do it, I believe you have to use like arrow keys and like select it that way. If, if I'm not mistaken, depends on it. Depends on the terminal. Like you, you it can use yeah, a mouse okay. with iTerm, but with, with some, yeah, you have to use arrow keys. Okay, yeah. I still remember when that functionality came out on iTerm. I was like, oh my god, this is so much better. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the cool thing about it is like you can literally just like highlight text, select it, and just like interact with it in the way you would with any text editor, which is super awesome. Another thing that I really like with it is that like out of the box, how it looks is like, so essentially you have your window, but every time you run a command, it separates them in these different blocks. And first of all, that makes the UI look really nice because you can, oh. yeah, you can like see what each command looks like because, nice. you know, it's in its own individual box, but also nice. you can interact with each box. So like, for example, there's like a drop down arrow on each box and it has different actions for that specific command instead of having to just like get your mouse and copy and paste the output of a command you can just simply go to that box and hit copy output and it just automatically does it for you so it, it's just really like nice. intuitive and and easy yeah it reminds me of i think it's either wallaby or quaka js where you can like highlight a block of text and it'll show what the output would be and stuff. That sounds cool. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's nice when people come on the show and they suggest something you don't have to pretend it's cool. You know, it's like this <laughs> like, is something that is genuinely is. <laughs> like I'm looking forward to trying this after the show. Yeah, I love it. Um, hopefully you get a chance to try it out and hopefully, you know, if you're listening to this, you try it out as well. My main question with it, can you use Vim with it? That's a good question. I think you can. I don't know exactly because I don't use Vim myself but okay. i think you can and i think you can like customize the key bindings so like you could pretty much like do whatever you want with it but don't don't quote me on that i i don't know <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i'll try it out because that that is one of the things when i set up a new computer i have a whole github repo that it's a gigantic file that runs like install these vim plugins install iterm install this install that and so like i have my setup but when i hear things like this i'm like ooh. I could update it as long as I don't have to change too much about myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did this solve your issue where, say, for example, if your laptop or your computer miraculously broke within the next 24 hours, you'd be able to replicate that setup easier? Yeah, that's the reason why I love it. Because like out of the box, it's already such a good terminal that I don't even like have to customize anything. It just like has mm. a ton of features that are already pre-built in it which I love, right? I don't have to like spend all that time to set it up and, and configure it. There's also like 
a couple of cool features too, like like auto completion. I believe with iTerm, I'm pretty sure you would have to like install different plugins for like auto completion on on certain commands. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, but with this, like it has a lot of pre-built commands that are already there for auto completion, especially with like Git. Ooh. And the cool yeah. thing about it is yeah. like if you don't know like what a certain command does. Like if you hover over that command, it like gives you a little description of what it does. That's nice. Yeah. That was my main motivation for getting, I'm doubting myself now, but I say ZSH just because that's how my brain locked in that particular name. Is it oh. Zish or ZSH? I, I literally did a poll about this on Twitter and I got <laughs> a variety of different results, including from developers of it. Some people say Zish like fish. Some people mm. say Zosh, like, oh my gosh. Oh. Some people say ZSH. Some people say ZSH. And then there was one other one. There there were so many different options that I did not expect. And okay. oh, my Zish people, Zosh, whatever, they ended up just sending me a t-shirt saying, sorry for the confusion. <laughs> <laughs> Never got a clear answer. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Oh, good question. I'm glad that there's at least somebody out there who agrees with my pronunciation. But there's dozens. <laughs> <laughs> the the whole reason I, I started looking into that was all of the autocomplete and the the Git functionality mm. and the integration. And I did I think there was this guy called Wes Boss who did this ZSH course on terminals and that was absolutely fantastic. But it was extremely deep and there was a lot of customization and you know, I tried other terminals. I tried this terminal called Fig a little while ago and yeah. it actually broke all of my other terminals basically by installing this it was still in beta at that stage so just take that with a grain of salt this was maybe a year ago they've come a long way since then but i kind of got a little bit burnt by testing other different terminals because mm. I, I was trying to do work and i was like why aren't these commands working anymore and it was because there was just an incompatibility and a bug with the uh, the last terminal that i was using but that sounds like it could be potentially something i download today and give a spin <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Another really cool feature that I love with it is like it has like a snippet feature built into it. So like oh, great. again, remember I talked about like how everything is separated into different blocks? Well, you could select the the drop down key for that box and then you could copy a code snippet and what it does is it generates a permalink for you. So like it links hmm. out to that snippet right there so you could literally just share it with anybody like instantly. Um oh, great. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. So it's super, super fast. So like if you're on a team of developers or if you're in DevRel and you want to like share something cool, like you literally just click that button, copy snippet, and it's available instantly to anyone who has access to that URL. So that's that's a super cool feature. And then another feature that I think is like super cool that I actually haven't played around with it too much, but it's like one of the coolest features that I've seen from any any terminal, and that is like an AI command search. It has built-in AI into the terminal. So, like, let's say mm. you don't know how to do a certain command. Like, let's say you don't know how to undo your changes in Git. So, what you do is you open up that AI prompt and then you type in in natural language. You type in how to undo changes or something like that, and then it will use AI and it'll figure out that command for you. So, it'll return That's like, cool. "Oh, Git checkout." Super, super cool way of like using AI to like help you figure out how to learn new commands. So yeah, I think it's, I don't know if it's still in beta, but I remember last time I checked it was, but yeah, it's worked every opportunity that I've tried it out with. 
So if anybody was interested in checking out this wonderful new AI-driven terminal, uh, you can head to warp.dev to download and give it a good crack. I know I will. Splunk does a lot more than security and logging. Learn about full stack, no sampling observability for any application hosted anywhere using Splunk Observability Cloud. Learn more and start a free trial. splk.it slash so podcast. Make sure you use that link and you'll let them know the podcast sent you. We haven't even hit on the uh, main highlight of this episode, which is to talk about your fantastic little <laughs> website that is your personal space, which has quite a few different features, including a chat with Anthony <laughs> function. Yeah, yeah. So it's my website, my personal website, anthonydelavicchia.com. Just something that I made for fun earlier this year. And yeah, like Matt said, it has a uh, like a chatbot feature where you can like live chat with me or with a bot if I'm not there. So yeah, it was just a fun little personal project that I worked on and I love showing it off. So can you talk to the tech stack that you used to build it and why you made some decisions like, say, for example, the the online chat functionality? Like what was the yeah. motivation behind doing doing those sorts of things? Because there's a lot of content on the website. Yeah, there's tons. Yeah, yeah, there is. So I believe it's built with Hugo. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. It's a static site generator. Hugo, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's written in Go and I'm using Firebase to deploy it. The reason why I went with Tildio, a chatbot solution, was just because it was really easy to set up. Honestly, uh, I didn't want to have to like you know build my own chatbot, so I looked for like online solutions that were simple and easy to use, and that was like one of the things that I found. It's really cool though because there's an application. If I get a message, uh, I can just open up the app and just talk with people there directly from my phone. There's also like a web interface that I can interact with, and it shows me what users were on there, uh, what time they visited the site, things like that. So it's pretty sweet. That's awesome. And so on the front end, because you're using Hugo, are you using any sort of framework for that? Or did you just do plain HTML, CSS? Yeah. So it's interesting because I don't know Hugo myself. And it was like one of the technologies that I was just like wanting to play around with, wanting to learn. Mm -hmm. So I, I just picked it up and basically it just uses like HTML, CSS on the front end and a little bit of JavaScript here and there. I, I just like inject some JavaScript in certain pages but yeah, it was all like new stuff for me. And with the design, I'm curious, was that something that you did yourself or did you get a template? It's actually a template that I like customized a lot. Again, I didn't want to write it from scratch just because, you know, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for the design aspect. <laughs> so, so I just like Googled a theme and I found one that was pretty cool. But yeah, I customized quite a bit of it, added, you know, different pieces and ended up with the final product. And the whole idea of having a personal website, I feel like it's something that people say you should have a personal website as a web developer. And yeah. I know Cassidy, I know, has got an answer for this. I got opinions, Matt. You got opinions. <laughs> for me personally, and I'd love to hear Cassidy and Anthony kind of your take on this as well. Like I spend 40 hours a week kind of programming and doing my own thing. And the last thing I want is to maintain another website on top of my <laughs> nine to five and so for me i very much prefer a minimal here's my portfolio this is what i do this is what i'm about and then like i don't have to worry about it again so i personally lean to more kind of off-the-shelf solutions like webflow where i have a little bit more customizability and i can change the css and do plugins and all that kind of stuff so Cassidy and anthony <laughs> what is your opinion on the developer side project personal brand in particular 
at this point in time on the internet, we are realizing if you have a space on the internet that you don't own and control and someone else does, it could go away yeah. in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> and so being able to build a website of your own, even if it is just something simple like your name, some icons of where to find you, and a picture, anything like that, it's your space. And you can really customize it where like mine is honestly just a bunch of text and then like pictures of me with keyboards because that's who I am. But <laughs> Some people, they go much more detailed, kind of like Anthony, where you can see cool animations. You can see his resume. It's got dark mode and light mode. It's got a chat. You could see which workshops and talks he's giving soon. There's so many things that you can do with a space on the internet that is your own. And that's something that I think as developers, we are very uniquely positioned and privileged to be able to build that kind of space for ourselves. Yeah, I think you said it. <laughs> said it best. I do want to point out something that you said, Matt. You mentioned like the maintainability of having your own website. Mm -hmm. That's something that was like really interesting with this project because I think I built it around like maybe December or January of this year. So it was a while ago. And I ended up making like some changes to it a few months later. It was funny because I forgot how to make changes to it myself. <laughs> so I had to, yeah. So I was like, wait, didn't I build this myself? I don't even know how to like edit it. <laughs> and that was only like, you know, three months after the fact. So I, you know, had to write some documentation for it just for my, my own right. eyes. But yeah. That's the blessing and the curse of trying yeah. new technologies because you're like, ooh, something new. And then if you don't keep practicing, you're, you're like, well, I guess I can never change or fix this ever again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> relearn everything. You, yeah. Or you just build an entirely new personal website. Yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> yeah. Another thing for anyone out there who's thinking about building their own personal website, whether that's a Matt special, which is a Webflow thing, or a Cassidy special, which is a complete custom thing, and same with Anthony as well, how much value do you actually get out of having your own personal space on the internet? Is it something that you use to sell personal products? Is it about curating an email list? Is it just simply a portfolio in a place for you to kind of like easily curate these are the things that i do and these are the things that i do well so like what value and what was the intention of building personal website for you on the internet a lot of it is for my own convenience because mm -hmm. i'm a lazy bum <laughs> so <laughs> for example if i am going to be giving a talk at a conference or writing an article for something something like that people always need a bio some kind of biography of me and i don't want to write one every single time so <laughs> I say, hey, there's a speaker bio on my website, and then I don't have to write it. They can just copy it there. Same with getting like a headshot. There's links to that. You can get a picture there, and I don't have to worry about it. And so there's little convenience things like that where in addition to my website, there's, for example, my newsletter, and my newsletter branches off of my website, and I kind of keep track of my RSS feed a little bit in there, and then also just maintain like sponsors for my newsletter through that. And because it's all something that I built, I have control over it. And so I don't ever have to worry about something going down or if it does go down, it's my fault and not someone else's. And then I also made a URL shortener for myself that I can say like, if you go to cast.run slash GH, that goes to my GitHub or something, mm -hmm. which I can use that to go to anything. And so I, I'll have it point to articles that I've written where I don't remember the URL all of the time. Or for example, I have one, I think that points to the Stack Overflow podcast, things like that. It's just a nice convenience thing for me to be able to have something where I can just 
direct everything to one place. Yeah, same for me. Also, like the portfolio aspect is just nice. I think just having like one source of truth essentially. So, like instead of having to like update your resume, your LinkedIn, your so and so page, you just like update one thing and then you could just use that to copy and paste it everywhere else. That's pretty much what I use my website for. And as a hiring manager, Cassie, if you're evaluating a candidate and they didn't have a personal website versus a candidate who did, would that color your perception of them from a hiring standpoint or it's just not important it's nice if they have one it's not important at all it's one of those things where like if they have one ooh, i can kind of see what they're about and i've learned some cool things about people because their personal website is not just a link dump of these are where my portfolios are but they'll be just like oh i'm super into photography or i'm into this i'm into that and it gives me more to talk about with them to get to know them more Mm. but It's never impacted a job decision as a hiring manager, at least on my end. Okay, so before we move on, you did have a special announcement, I guess, Cassidy, and that was the Scrabble paraphernalia that you've been working on for an extremely long time. Do you want to do a quick shout out for that? Quick shout out, Scrabble keycaps. They are live. I have talked about it on this podcast a handful of times, but it's real now. And so if you go to clackies.com slash Scrabble, we can drop it in the show notes. Um, you can get Scrabble themed keycaps designed by yours truly that I first designed way back in 2017. They sold and then licenses expired, all kinds of things. And finally, after lots and lots of legal and design updates and all the things, it's back with full force and ready for a keyboard near you. I do not know how the licensing works for taking something like Scrabble and putting it. Can you do a real quick overview of that whole process for anyone else who might be thinking about doing something similar? Let me introduce you to the concept of begging. (laughs) 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 Honestly, like, and granted, I'm not a professional in this space. I just ask a lot of questions and I get annoying enough that it works out in the end. A lot of the licensing experience I have had and the people I've worked with have had truly comes down to, is a person approving your application for a license in a good mood and available (laughs) and down with your idea? Because honestly, I did just so much cold calling and saying like, hey, maybe this could work. Hey, maybe this could work. Because with the previous iteration of these keycaps, That was just me cold calling various people who worked at Hasbro. Mm. And eventually I found a person on Facebook who used to work with someone who used to work at Hasbro and they happened to know someone who still worked at Hasbro. And that is how I got my in because when I first like applied for it, I just got like an auto rejection. But then Mm. finally after finding a human, it worked out. And then this time around, it was just kind of, poking people on LinkedIn saying, hey, I noticed that this person left, but do you know this person? Could you connect me? And eventually it just happened to work out. And luckily, uh, Clackies, who is helping with all of these pre-orders and everything there, an awesome company, they have licensing experience, which honestly is very similar. And so they were just like, okay, yeah, we can work with this. And they did all of the legal signing of things. So cool. Unfortunately, that is a very long, vague answer for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I feel like people 
who are thinking about maybe doing something similar just need to know that they're going to have to go above and beyond and pester uh, a lot of folks. It's to... truly just the art of pestering and, <laughs> and hoping. I was on the phone to a company and I was trying to get something out of them, which is, was not within the realms of impossible. And I was like, man, is there just somewhere I can send like a bottle of wine and a freshly baked batch of cookies from? <laughs> and the person on the other end of the line got real quiet and they were like, this company does not accept bribes for its services. I was like, <laughs> oh, I have hit on the wrong person today. <laughs> on that note, ending on a nice positive, there's been a lot of negativity in the tech space recently. So it was nice to have a nice wholesome tech-filled episode for once. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. I've been Matt Kianander. I'm a developer advocate here at Stack Overflow, and you can find me online at Kander, M-A-T-T-K-A-N-D-E-R. I am Cassidy Williams. I'm CTO of Contenda. You can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things. I'm Anthony. Uh, you can find me on socials at Anthony J. Della, uh, and I'm a developer evangelist at Twilio. We will see you again next week. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Bye. Bye.